Hello, listeners, and thank you for coming to Big Brain Hour. This week's episode is going to focus on the acting and entertainment industries. And um, with us today, we have Caleb. He is an actor, and he is going to be our industry expert that we consult with um, this go-around. So that should be some really great insight that we're not all used to getting. Um, So I think I'm going to hand it off to Steve, and we're going to lead right into our first segment here. Yeah, uh, so Caleb, I was wondering if maybe you wanted to tell us about yourself and maybe uh, some some tips on the acting industry. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Caleb. Uh, I, uh, I live in um, Los Angeles, California. Uh, I've been acting for uh, probably around five, five years now. Um, as far as tips go... Um, did you have any like specific questions like about, well, you, you know what, why don't you, um, why don't you let us know what your most recent role was and maybe, um, some other, some, maybe some roles that you've been involved with so, uh, we can get a feel for what you've done. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so my most recent role was actually, a a voiceover role. Um, and I, uh, it was for a, um, what was it? It was, it was like a, uh, you know how there's like Spanish shows and they like translate it into English. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I did like an English version of the Spanish. <laughs> it, was, it, it was interesting. It was my first time doing something like um, like that, so it was interesting. Um, and then other than that, I uh, I've been in um, a couple things. I was on a uh, show called The OA on Netflix. I just had a um, I was in an episode on that, and then I um, also have uh, been a part of a series on Hulu called All Night. Um, where I played a character um, who was in high school um, and uh, he was just graduating with his friends and it was like a graduation lock-in party. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but other than that, that's, <clears throat> I've done other like commercials and small things um, and, a, and a couple music videos and things like that um, of that nature. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, but yeah, my most, what's your kind role? of a big spread oh. of roles that you've done yeah you know it well so when you're first starting out you kind of just like take whatever you know you don't really like ask questions oh <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> you kind of just got to take whatever because you don't really have like a, a voice to say oh yeah you know what i'm not i'm not i guess you do but you don't you know you mm-hmm. got you gotta take what you get kind of thing um so like when you first start out you get like all the smaller things like um music videos or uh background roles and things like that and then you eventually got to like work your way up right mm-hmm, um, yeah um yeah but like the first breakout or not breakout but the first like role that i got that was sort of noteworthy was like a on a nickelodeon show it's just like a one line on a nickelodeon show mm-hmm. um, called called game shakers and then from there you just kind of like <clears throat> work your way up to bigger things um yeah i just pulled up your imdb page and i was looking at some of your stuff um yeah i see the game shakers um um cre- yeah. credit right here Looks like you've been in quite a few things. Um, looks like in all night you were in a lot, quite a few episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I was in a, I was a series regular on that. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. I was in uh, nine, nine of the ten episodes, I think. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty cool for sure. Um, so how do you, go, how do you go about finding these roles? Like, is there a place where you can look up roles that are being cast and kind of apply to be um, put on for audition or something like that? Yeah. So um, how how it happened for me was um i didn't i didn't really put an effort into like getting involved in acting 
my my dad actually knew somebody who it was like kind of a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my dad's friend had an agent who was looking for like Hispanic looking kids, um, <laughs> to just represent and. Yeah. We just submitted some like photos to him, like thinking, "Oh, well, might as well, right?" Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he he came back and he's like, "Well, we can uh, submit you for some stuff and see what happens." Um, but so you so an agent will find the roles for you. Um, other than that, they have like websites called like um, LA Casting, or there's one called Actors Access, and it's just a website with like a directory of like roles that people are looking for um, in the industry. But usually with those, it's not really like major roles. Those are just like things you're going to want to use to get started, um, no. like a lot of background stuff and things like that. Um, so eventually you, you got to work on getting an agent um, mm-hmm. is going to be the best thing. That way uh, they can uh, find the bigger roles and auditions for you. Because mm-hmm. the agent primarily helps with like the the connections to yeah, exactly. stuff like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Steve, did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? Um. You know, it's really interesting, Caleb, hearing all these different different types of things. Is there one particular favorite you have, whether that be like TV shows, commercials, mm-hmm. voice acting? You know, um, as far as like favorite, it's definitely just like something that I'm actually acting in. Um, so like a TV show or a feature film or something like that. But with um like commercials at first like i i did a couple commercials and i really didn't like enjoy doing it just because it's more of like when you like watch a commercial they're not really like acting you know they're kind of just like sitting there like smiling with their uh, big mac or whatever um right. <laughs> so uh yeah um so i wasn't a huge fan of um doing commercials just cuz it's it's more of like i thought of it as like you're kind of just modeling right you're kind of just sitting there smiling on the camera Whereas you're not actually like doing scenes with people, um, so uh, yeah, definitely like TV shows or something where I'm actually like acting or doing a scene. That makes sense. And do you have any recommendations? So someone, you know, someone's interested in getting into the industry. How do you really hone your craft? Do you do you go to classes or do you just kind of watch movies a lot or how do you how do you get better at acting? Uh, I think it's like with anything else. Um, you're trying to pursue, you really got to focus on the craft of um, what you're doing. So it's just like, yeah, being in class and um, practicing and working with people. And honestly, it's just about creating stuff, um, whether that be like writing or um, getting a group of friends together and just like bouncing ideas off of each other for um, script ideas or whatever, whatever that may be. But I think it's just really important to like, with acting, you got to have like, you got to be a hundred percent and you can't like really give half of it um, into it and then like focus on something else. You just got to really focus on it and uh, put everything you got into it uh, if you want to be successful in it. Definitely. Yeah. So um, you mentioned like the te- that you do a lot of practice. Um, like what's a, te- what's like an, an acting exercise that you would do? Like say that you have a, say if you have a specific audition that you're going to, how do you go about practicing for that audition? Like, do they typically provide materials to practice? Is there like a sample script you can look at? Like, how does that usually work? Yeah. So with an audition, what will happen is um, <clears throat> my agent will email me and say that um, they either want to bring me in or uh, want me to do like a self-tape at home. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, the first thing I'll do is usually when they email you, it'll be a breakdown of like 
mm-hmm. what the project is about. So like the whole like log line of the project and then it'll be sometimes it'll have your it will, it'll always have your character description and then sometimes it'll have other characters that are in the um the script. Um and then also it'll usually have like who's producing, who's um directing and uh who's like already like involved in the project. Um and one thing that I do like when I get the audition right away is I try to do as much research on the people involved and then like um the uh the project itself that way um i know like where i'm trying to like play to you know um and then uh, as far as like the script you won't always get and actually very rarely do you get like a full script of like a movie or a television show just because they don't want that like floating around in the universe mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah but um you will get like your, your scene that you're going to um audition with so um, they'll give you your scene and it's usually like two or three scenes. Um, and um, there is like a process I do where I like break down the, the, the sides and the, the script that I uh, received. And I just kind of just like figure out like what's happening in the scene and then how to play off um, different things. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> one thing that's helped is getting together with like fellow actors or like acting coaches and just like <clears throat> practicing with them. Um, and, and seeing what they have to say about the uh, the script and the, the scenes that are going on. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, like, when, when you're doing a scene, do you normally audition with multiple people? Or are you kind of um, – do you kind of do all of the lines? Or you just do the lines for your character? How does that work? Yeah, no. So, it's, it's just you um, and then mm-hmm. the person reading behind the camera. So, oh. um, it's basically like if I were to do a self-tape, I'd – probably have my um sister or a mom read with me or a friend or whatever mm-hmm. um and then it's just usually in scenes it's the majority of the scenes that you're gonna get for an audition are just two people in the scene sometimes yeah. you get like a couple like three people but um so it'll just be the other person reads every other line and then you read the character that you're auditioning for mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah so uh it's just it's just one person in there yeah you're just okay, auditioning yeah. alone yeah, that makes sense. And so, like, another thing I've always wondered is, you know, when you're shooting a commercial or, like, a um, like a show, really anything, how many takes do you, are normally taken of, like, a certain scene before the director's kind of satisfied with it? Like, how does that normally work? Do you spend, like, will you spend an entire day on, like, a five-minute scene? Or will it kind of, will you be able to get all the footage in for, like, a 30-minute episode right. in one day? How does that work? So, um, it all depends. But generally they try to work as quickly as possible just because time is money for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it all depends on like the scene, the shot that you're working on, because there's several scenes that I've been in where like, we've had to have like four or five different angles just because of the characters. And the, there's so many characters in the scene. You got to get close-ups of every single character uh-huh. and then you got to get the wide angles and then you got to get um, whatever angles you're, you're trying to work with. Um, but what will happen is, um, whoever's like talking in the scene will get the majority of the screen time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just depends on w- the director, I guess, if they're like, what's going on. But usually it's like, if, if it's like a short scene, just like one to two people in like a room with nobody in there, you, you can get it done pretty quick with, within like, I, I say 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're trying to work as fast as possible. Um, but uh yeah, I, can, I I've like been in a a scene where it's taken like days to film, um, mm-hmm. just well, because right. Um, yeah. So they've like come back to the scene and like 
moved on and then come back to it a different day. I've even been on a, a scene where they've done that just because mm-hmm. of the, the shots, they can't do, do it all in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's, it's actually very like interesting just the way that they, they got to work, work with everything and uh, all the, all the shots and everything. Yeah. That seems like that would take a lot of like talent on the director's part as well to kind of know what he's looking for, what it's going to take to make a certain scene look a certain way on the TV. Right. Um, that seems like a pretty in-depth process actually. Yeah. A lot goes into it actually um, with the cameraman and the, uh, there's that. So what will happen is there's a director and there's also the, um, um, the camera, the camera guy who's in charge mm-hmm. of like shots. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- they'll both work together on, 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 on the, uh, the way the scene's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you ever had like when, um, when they end up editing the whole show together, you'll watch an episode. Do you ever kind of think like, wow, this is so different from what it felt like when we were recording it? Or does it feel kind of familiar all in all? Um, it is a little weird just because when you're watching an actual show, you don't notice like, you only see what's in front of the screen. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're acting in the scene, it's like y- sets are like only half of a room, essentially. Uh-huh, yeah. So it's a little weird in that sense. But um, I think one of the, the, the more difficult parts for acting is just being able to um, close off like that, like half set that's like there's tons of people like in the room with you when you're filming. Um, and uh, you, you got to like figure out like, okay, well, I got to cut that off and just like be in the, the moment here um, in this room uh, on this set. But yeah, it, when you're watching it, you, you definitely like, get that like, oh, well, that looks like it's actually in the, in the, in the real world when it, when it really isn't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was this one um, scene that I did on all night where it was in a basement and um, there was like windows, right? But like mm-hmm. we weren't outside, we were inside and it, it it really looked like we were in like a basement <laughs> and they even like played the lighting. Like, so they had like lights on the window where like the light would like shine in and look like sunlight, like uh-huh. shining. And it, it was just like a regular light, but it, they really like do a good job of like making sets look like what they wanted, what they want them to look like. Yeah. That's pretty insane actually, because um, like when I'll, when I'll see like a picture of what a set looks like and then what the final like, movie looks like it's just their tv show or something it's just insane because i think that would even be um sometimes difficult to even get like the right frame of mind to like shoot the scene like i think that would even be difficult sometimes yeah yeah it's 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 crazy because um well what what they're trying to do with that is they have to when you're filming a movie the most important thing is like control over the environment Mm -hmm. so when you're like filming in a regular room you have very little control over like what's going on outside or what's going on in lighting. But if they create their entire set um, inside of a, uh, a studio, they've got like full control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Uh, Steve, anything you want to ask? Um, I think, you know, one question I'd like to hear before we kind of wrap up this segment is maybe where do you picture yourself in say like five years? What would be your dream in the, in the film industry? Yeah, yeah. So I've always like, whenever I've, whenever I went into acting, I wasn't like huge on like, I want to be famous and I want to be recognized in acting. It's just more of just like, I want to be working and I want to be acting and creating as much as I can. Um, I mean, ideally, obviously, it'd be just like, (laughs) in like actual feature films, major feature films with big studios. 
Um, but like, I, I don't really have like a goal to be like super famous. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to like create an act cause it's what I love doing. Um, would you ever want to make your, your own movie, like write your own movie and then be in Yeah. It? Yeah. I'd love that. Steve, you actually, so Steve and I have known each other for a long time and we, we've been creating movies since we were kids. Um, uh, it, so yeah, I've, I've always been interested in just, um, creating and uh, directing and writing too. I actually work on a lot of scripts and bounce ideas off of Steve too. And Steve does the same with me. If you guys don't know that about Steve, he's a, he's a, uh, guy that's into film. <laughs> yeah. And so Steve, I know you're into this as well. Um, why don't you tell the listeners kind of what your plan is maybe for the next five years as well? Because I know, um, you know, with Caleb being into acting and everything, I know you are also into, um, Maybe not so much acting, but you are into, I know you're really into writing like screenplays. You're really into writing scripts. So do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, definitely a goal of mine is to someday write screen, uh, do like screenwriting and write movies and stuff like that. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm as, as gifted in the acting realm as Caleb, uh, <laughs> but I'd still love to be involved in the industry in some form or another. Yeah, and that's that's really cool because um, I think that's something that a lot of people think that you um, like. For example, with Caleb, um, Caleb, I take it. Did you not do much acting prior to five years ago when you first got into it? Yeah, not really. More of just like, yeah, nothing at all, actually. <laughs> yeah, see, so that's interesting to me because I always <laughs> thought it was something that, um, something that people spent like their entire life from the time they were five years old, like practicing and everything. Right. But it's um, you've actually had a good deal of um success from uh so far based off your imdb page you've had quite a few roles you um were one of the regulars on a series already i think that's really cool to accomplish just within five years of having picked up acting so yeah yeah i'm super blessed um, by it yeah. yeah no yeah i think that's a cool message to everyone listening that um you know it's even if you haven't like begun working on some even if you haven't begun working on something that you've always kind of thought of as a dream you can always pick it up later and um yeah. Like with Caleb, as Caleb has, and have um, a great career and um, do some really cool things with it. So I think that's really something pretty cool. Yeah, and you know the thing is, like with acting, there's no like real age limit. So like you can start whenever they're they're looking for. There's always movies with all ages, so it's not like you got to start like oh I got to start when I'm twelve years old because that's when all, that's where all the roles were. Where Whereas it's more of like the majority of roles are adults <laughs> and mo majority of them are like 30 and up. If you actually like mm -hmm. look into yeah. like movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like through, um, through hard work, getting the right, um, working on getting the right connections, you can, um, definitely get into the industry as Caleb has. Um, and it sounds like he has a great time doing it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh -oh. I think we're oh. going to wrap up this segment um, about acting, sort of the entertainment industry, and we're going to go into more of a, a more current events type take here. Um, Caleb, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, especially. Um, as well, no coronavirus has been putting a lot of companies under pressure um, because when you can't be open, you can't be making money. That's negative cash flow. That's problematic, um, trying to keep your doors open. Um, AMC is one of the companies that's been hit really hard by this because movie theaters can't really um, adapt in a way that a lot of companies have been doing. Restaurants are doing takeout, things like that. Movie theaters, literally, if you can't go into it, they can't be selling things. So 
AMC is actually on the brink of collapse, according to a lot of um, news sources. And within the next two or three months, they're actually expected to shutter all 1,000 of their locations potentially. So um, movies are starting to sell directly to streaming platforms. I think this could really alter the way that film is consumed um, and entertainment is consumed. Um, Caleb, do you have any opinions on kind of um, streaming versus theaters and kind of do you hear any opinions about this kind of from people in your industry in LA? Yeah, you know, it's a bummer. I, I don't think movie theaters are ever going to like go away, obviously. Um, but a lot of the content is on streaming platforms now. Um, that's where like the majority of content is actually on Netflix or whether it be Hulu, Netflix or whatever, Apple Apple TV Plus, everyone's trying to get in on streaming um, remotely from home. Um, but yeah, I, I, this coronavirus is hitting hitting hard, and I think it's only going to get worse for businesses. AMC is just like the start, I think, um, for like the decline of businesses, just because, like you said, businesses can't stay open <laughs> without customers coming. Um, yeah, but it's a bummer. Uh, AMC is like. AMC's huge, so uh, you never think like, oh well, AMC will be. You never think AMC's gonna like go down. You always think like, oh, AMC's huge, so it'll be all right. Um, AMC's mm-hmm. like a huge uh, LA theater. Like they're like probably the biggest in LA. Um, uh huh. And they're my favorite personally. <laughs> I mean, I, I got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the too. AMC movie yeah. pass, so like, <laughs> um, it'll be a bummer. I don't know what I'm gonna do without AMC. Uh huh. Yeah, Steve, any opinions on this? Because I know AMC is also your favorite theater. Yeah, Caleb, uh, I'm pretty sure Caleb told me about the AMC movie pass, and it's quite the deal. Um, but what I think is... We should start a GoFundMe for so AMC. so interesting. We should. <laughs> we need to keep it alive. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what's interesting to think is that, you know, the, the movie theater is just uh, it's kind of like its own market if you will. I mean, it, it doesn't really have anything. It's, it's just like a selling place and, and they sell movies. Uh-huh. And what's so dangerous is that with all these like streaming services, um, they can just, instead of going through the movie theaters as it's always been, they can literally just skip that step and go straight to the consumer. And I think mm. companies are starting to see this and realizing they're going to make more money, um, which is really disappointing because I think there's so much, benefit to going to the the theater it's such a social event uh it's just like it's a fun pastime to do when maybe you have nothing else to do and i think it's really disappointing to see that uh that kind of dying out yeah you know um for me i think the way companies look at it is they're seeing this as kind of a distribution method so with amc uh, movie studios are like okay back in the day before streaming services either to release on DVD for people to buy in stores or they had to see it in theaters. So nowadays, what they're, I think what they're seeing is they can cut out the middleman and just sell directly to streaming platforms who might be able to offer more lucrative deals as they've become bigger and as they've begun to corner the market. So um, I think they are going to miss out on the fact that the movie theater is kind of an experience in and of itself. Like um, when the new Star Wars... Um, the new Star Wars trilogy came out, like, I remember being so excited to go into the theater and see it, like, being able to, like, wait in line to get into the, the theater, that was one of the cool, that was one of the cool parts about going. Um, I just don't think, streaming definitely does not capture that feeling, it doesn't have the same, um, 
it doesn't really have the same benefits for me, you know, um, with streaming, you don't have to really commit to even watching something. You can kind of have it on in the background. It's just kind of playing whereas, and you're not really paying attention yeah. to it in a movie theater. You actually, you paid for it. You're sitting there. You, I actually tend to, I think I actually tend to watch the movie in a better way almost and even enjoy it more than um, yeah. movies that I stream. So that's another thing I've noticed. What's interesting is like, I'm actually getting sick of like Netflix and like all these streaming platforms because I'm like spending so much time on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, I think with like a movie, yeah, you, you guys said it, it's like, it's not just going to see a movie. It's like, you're going to see a movie kind of thing. You're actually mm-hmm. going yeah. somewhere to uh, see a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I th- oh, Steve, go ahead. I think to, to your point, and, and I, Lincoln touched on this too, and to your point, Caleb, I do agree that I don't think movie theaters are all will ever truly like go away. And I mean, the same thing, like, what, one thing I love to do in the summer is I like to go to the, the drive-in theater. We don't have that here. Mm, yeah. And I, I know it's like, it's it's kind of like a struggling business, certainly. But I do think it, it still has that unique experience. And as long as you have that, I do think that it will survive. But I, I do think that the, the overall industry is, is going to go through another change. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that this virus is kind of, what is going to cause it? I think we're going to see a pretty rapid transformation overnight where um, theaters kind of are rare for a while because um, at least or at least in Boulder and the surrounding areas, it's like I'd say like two thirds of the theaters are AMC almost like so it's oh, it's going to empty out um, a lot of movie theaters. And I think that might help some of the other ones in the short term that can hang on because then they'll be able to kind of have a higher concentration of people that are come and pay for them. But um, I think we are going to see a semi-permanent kind of transition to streaming, which is sad because I, I do see a lot of value in the movie theater. Um, it's just one of the things that makes film, um, one of the things that makes movie and film kind of unique, fun. Um, so I think people are going to be missing out on that for sure. And with all, with, um, with all the streaming services, it sort of reminds me of when Spotify and some other large um, music streaming companies first came onto the market. Um, they kind of ended up annihilating platforms, kind of like um, iTunes. Um, what I know Samsung had a version of it as well, where you're like buying music and it's benefiting the artist directly. Um, CD sales plummeted. Um, record sales became like non-existent. And so, um, I know a bunch of lawsuits ended up happening over this because content creators were kind of having their music stolen and sold by other uh, by the streaming platforms on the super cheap. So they were actually having their earnings like cut in half. Um, but now we've kind of seen a transition back to where people are kind of buying records because um, I know vinyl is kind of making a comeback with a lot of people because they do like the way it sounds and they like buying a record and having it themselves. I know some people are buying CDs again. Um, so I guess if those, if like vinyl records and CDs can survive music streaming, I think movie theaters will definitely survive. Yeah. I think it's like, it also goes back to like, people appreciate art in whatever fashion it mm-hmm. comes in. So like with mm-hmm. vinyls and old things like that, it, it has a big nostalgia to it that people appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the experiential factor for sure. I think that definitely plays into it. Um, yeah. So I think we all can agree movie theaters, if they do end up closing, if AMC does end up shutting the doors, I think that's what we're rooting for you. AMC. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm root- we're, we're all rooting for you here. Um, 
Caleb sounds like he might be wanting to start to go find <laughs> Contact me, so we'll me AMC. I'll, I'll get you that. <laughs> get you go find me. Hit me up. I'll Venmo you 20 bucks, AMC. Yeah, so um, after that more somber subject, we're going to move into um, kind of a fun, a fun um, segment that me and Steve kind of came up with. Staying on the topic of movies, we're going to do 10-second script ideas from nothing but a movie <laughs> title that me and Steve have come up with prior to the podcast. <laughs> so we'll tell you the title, and then you have 10 seconds to kind of lay out a really quick kind of script idea for it. Um, each of us will do one. Um, so, Steve, do you want me to pick your title first, and you can start off? Yeah, sure. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So the one that I want you to do is um, Quadruple Retribution. <laughs> okay. Um Here's what I'm picturing is I'm thinking some guy, you know, he's it's obviously revenge, <laughs> retribution. Uh, he he's going after like four I think there's probably like four gang members or maybe like military dudes <laughs> who like they kidnapped his family, you yep. know. But like so he's got like his, his wife and like three kids, but they have him in like four different places. Oh yeah. So then he like he goes and Damn. finds he seeks him out, and this could even be like a four part movie series. It'd be good, but like each one's a different place, and he has to like fight the different dude in a, in a certain way. But he and then he gets his family back in the end, and he gets revenge. I really like that. It's like Taken, but with four people. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was gonna say it reminds me. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt you down and I'm gonna kill you. Like that's the vibe I'm getting from that. <laughs> All right. Uh... Caleb, you want one? (laughs) All right. Vendetta. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this is set in the 1800s. This is right after Pride and Prejudice. Um, Mr. Darcy (laughs) is angry that he didn't get to marry, I don't know her name, the other girl that he was supposed to marry. So he goes after the uh, entire family. Um, It's a vendetta of prejudice. So you just made a sequel to Pride exactly. and Prejudice. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea as well. Yeah, this it sounds a lot more interesting than than the original Pride and Prejudice, certainly. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, man, don't knock Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> hey, Pride and Prejudice is one yeah. of the all-time greats, um, but Vendetta of Prejudice sounds like... sounds kind of epic as well. So I think that I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Maybe we should get on that. that. <laughs> Steve, want to pick one out for me? Yeah. Um, looks like the next one we got here is Terminal Domination. Okay. So my idea with this is it takes place <laughs> in an airport. And so basically each airport terminal has its own nation kind of army that is vying for control <laughs> of the airport. And so when the airport is kind of slow after hours – these four armies and terminals, one, two, three, and four all come out and then they battle for control of the realm. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm seeing there's like baggage carriers, TSA agents. There's all these different like kind of factions that are to control the airport and the goal is to control all of the terminals. So that's what I kind of think. It's kind of what I see happening. Maybe a little bit of an avatar last airbender <laughs> vibe where one of the terminals ends up, wiping out one of the other terminals in a massive genocide and then they all and then the remaining two terminals have to fight back 
waiting that the air traffic can waiting for the air traffic control like avatar sort of to come and fix everything so i see it as an airport kind of thriller um definitely a series i don't think this would be a great movie but so many ideas for it <laughs> i love it <laughs> it kind of got it has some like mad max that's sort of what i know? was thinking but I was also thinking maybe if it was something kind of like Avatar Last Airbender where there's like the four terminal nations all all in there. I don't know. You know what? That's actually... It could be Mad Max. It could be like Avatar. I'm not really quite yeah, sure. A little mix of both. I think... Yeah. I think there's something there, though, for sure. <laughs> if I ever get together some money to cast it, Caleb, I'm coming to you for the main character. Um, Steve, you can be the director. I'll give you, I'll just, uh... give you the agent's number. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, we might have to call you in for an audition um, when Terminal Domination um, <laughs> begins shooting. So, um, do we? Oh, have yeah, time we for definitely do. Um, yeah, do you want to? Do <laughs> I mean, I think this could be like a triple team. I don't, I don't know if one person could take <laughs> Go this. Go for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, the the title is Batsuit. <laughs> wow. I don't know if we should be talking about bats with the whole corona thing. <laughs> well, see, I actually think now is the time be, to be know, talking about know, bats. You know, you're right. <laughs> it could be a documentary. I know Lincoln Lincoln suggested Tiger Kings last week. I had the chance to watch the entire thing, and I think documentary is on the rise right now. So maybe I watched that whole like thing a... one day. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> You know what? I didn't it while is. I was watching it. I didn't want to watch it, but I still watched it. I don't know how to explain that phenomenon. It was hypnotic. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted Carol King to body. go to jail so bad. Yeah, I think they all need jail. <laughs> they all need to go to prison. Or Carol Baskin, that's a name. Yeah, Carol Baskin. Like, I know Joe tried to hire the hit and it didn't work. I think we all should just conduct some vigilante justice. <laughs> <laughs> And, oh um, my gosh. And, <laughs> and maybe we should all um, gang together to make sure Joe Exotic gets his justice and Carol Baskin gets locked up where she deserves. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> what did he actually do work? wrong? I think he was breeding tiger cubs and selling them to yeah. people, which is against the Endangered Species Act. Oh, I guess. So that's what he did. Okay. Wrong okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Well, well, what was so interesting was they had to bring those charges against him because the murder for hire ones weren't going to hold, basically. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really dirtbaggy of the FBI to just bring all, like, 28 charges at once. And so now it looks like he actually got convicted for murder for hire when it was just, like, the endangered uh, – when, when it was just the illegal, like, breeding and transport of tiger cubs. Yeah, it's like O.J. Simpson all over again. It but... definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Think about Joe Exotic, it's like – yeah, he was a bad – he was a weird dude, you know, and he did bad stuff. But for some reason, I just kept – I kept finding myself like – You love him. him. You just – you <laughs> love him. You can't help but love him. <laughs> no matter Something how many about... tigers he kills. <laughs> I don't know why I don't dislike the guy. He's a total creep, but I'm – I always root for Joe Exotic, and I hope he gets out. You know day. what I think it is? Is he's, he's very, like, underdog. Yeah, he's like he you wouldn't expect him to be as successful as he is, uh-huh. and it's like powerful as he is almost in that in that industry. So I think that's what it yeah. is. Like the underdog got there, now everyone's trying to get him down. 
Yeah, seriously. Even though they're all doing <laughs> bad stuff, I still root for him. It seemed like everyone was kind of tag teaming and like trying to take him down. Yeah. Carol Baskin reminds me of the Hunger Games guy. Oh my god. <laughs> Snow. Wait, uh, yeah. Pres- President Snow. Snow. Pure evil. <laughs> yeah. President Snow was creepy. She also looked like a sickly, like, zombie with, like, no color. <laughs> it was creepy. She, <laughs> she looked like a, um, like a, someone who, like, froze to death and, like, was resurrected by, like, some zombie virus is what she reminded yep. me of. <laughs> we should start oh, a GoFundMe yeah, I'm not a big Joe Exotic. <laughs> Joe Exotic. The one GoFundMe for AMC and one for Joe Exotic. Yep. Get him out that would home. probably blow up. I think actually, there's. I wouldn't be surprised if there already is like something. I bet there's like a Joe Exotic legal defense with as much free time but... as people have right now. There's definitely oh, yeah. like something going around. <laughs> I think you know the money would be better used. We'll hire like a private <laughs> investigator, you know, <laughs> to go uh, look for Carol Baskin's husband. <laughs> well you know steve this this really th- this makes me think that we're going down the road of vigilante justice again <laughs> which we attempted to conduct earlier this year this is vendetta of prejudice right <laughs> here the, the, yeah this is the plot of the movie <laughs> it's going to be a mockumentary i love mockumentaries or actually a real documentary <laughs> of us delivering justice when the legal system wouldn't <laughs> Like J- Joe, you know the the law failed Joe, so he had to take he it did. into his own hands. Maybe not in the right way. <laughs> he hired a crackhead to murder someone. The law failed Joe, so he took it into his own hands. <laughs> oh, Joe Exotic is nuts. Love that guy. Okay, so I think this this lends itself to a versus segment, which we do on every episode. I think the verses here. Should be Joe Exotic versus Joe Biden. Ooh, <laughs> who wins in a in a no, Oklahoma gu- gubernatorial race? Because I know Joe Exotic ran for oh, governor. Okay, imagine Joe oh. Biden versus Joe Exotic for governor <laughs> of Oklahoma. Um, well, my votes are already for Joe Exotic. Um, I would hope that the people vote for Joe Exotic as well. Well, I think he already has that name that he's built up. I do know he captured 19% of the popular vote in, like, the 2014 election for, the, for Oklahoma <laughs> governor. Crazy. So people, people already know his name. <laughs> like, a fifth of the state voted for him. <laughs> so I think, I think that combined with his charisma, I think he'd just take Joe Biden to school. It'd be – like, imagine that debate. <laughs> that would just, Joe would show up in, like, tiger print with tights. With a cub, <laughs> he'd be wearing a tiger at the debate. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he would just call game right there. You know, I think Biden. He's got some experience as as a leader, <clears throat> certainly. But uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe's a king. He's yeah, got his own Joe kingdom. can't say he's a king. Joe Joe Biden's not a king. Joe is a king. <laughs> yeah, so he. I would have to say Joe Exotic. He's got he's ruled a kingdom for you know for many years. He's been on both sides. Like he he understands. <laughs> he's related. Seeing as he... I hope that there's like a parallel universe where just... Joe Exotic got elected governor. Because 
Well, I think <laughs> according to parallel universe like theory, I think there has to be something where every outcome did happen. So imagine, like Carol Baskin would probably be in jail right now. Oh yeah, he probably would have like <laughs> taken Oklahoma's National Guard and like marched on Carol Baskin's like Tiger Sanctuary <laughs> and just lit her up. It would have been- you know what? Okay, interesting. How she got away with like okay, we don't know, but allegedly got away with that murder. Like, in that time that she was in, like, it was, what, in the early 90s, probably? Uh-huh, like, yeah. I feel like it was a lot easier to get away with murder back then. Well, yeah, I mean, they didn't really even start using, like, biological evidence until, like, the 90s, really. So that was even in its infancy. Um, so I think it was a lot easier to get away with stuff like that because, I mean, just the circumstantial evidence that they, like, listed, I was like, she 100% yeah. did it. <laughs> Like, you can't tell me there's not, like, fingerprints somewhere. <laughs> they should have tested the grinder. Oh, they, oh yeah. She definitely put him in the meat oh grinder. Oh, gosh. That's horrible. <laughs> Fed him to the tigers or dumped him in the septic tank. <laughs> septic that's what Joe thinks. He, he said, didn't he have, like, a podcast? Or it was, like, a, a live? <laughs> Joe Exotic TV. <laughs> he, like, said, I swear, if you dig up that septic tank, you'll find his body. He did say that. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, Joe was Joe's quite a character. And even if he does die in prison, because I actually heard a week ago that he did. He did contract for No. And he is in the intensive care unit at OU Medical Center, I think. What if he breaks so, out? Yeah, I hope he, I hope he like I hope an army of tigers just overruns the hospital <laughs> and breaks him out. But if this is the end for Joe Exotic. I hope he knows that everyone in the country knows his name now. <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus is taking a lot. It's going to end up taking a lot of grades from us. Yeah. I mean, it, just in 2020, not not from coronavirus, but we've lost Kobe Bryant. RIP. And now we're going to lose Joe Exotic. I mean, what is this year coming to? You know what you guys should talk about? There's just like the conspiracy theories with um, this year. There's There's got to be so many already. Just because of all the things that have happened in this past year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen quite a few as I'm an avid conspiracy theorist. Ooh. I've read a lot of them, and a lot of them are pretty far-fetched. But um, I think the origins of coronavirus might not have been from bat soup. I think someone might have made them, might have made the virus. Is it, isn't it coincidence that America is getting hit the hardest? I don't think so. Yeah, I just have... It seems like the evidence is just lining up. Kind of all all fingers point to China at this point. <laughs> China, China. <laughs> Steve, wanna um wanna give our listeners just a quick Donald Trump impression? It's you know, it's it's great to be on here. This is this is a great <laughs> podcast. One of the greatest, actually. I know a lot of people are saying that they've. That this is actually the best, Uh-oh. this is the greatest, <clears throat> and I know a lot of podcasts. Trust me, believe me. <laughs> I know podcasts, and this is the greatest. The the kung fu. <laughs> it came from China. Oh, Steve, your your Trump is good. Thank you. This is yeah, all rusty. I do know that you put a lot of work into it. <laughs> a lot of hours. <laughs> well guys i think we're gonna wrap up this week's episode i think we had a lot of fun on this week's episode um in our verses we selected joe exotic we dove into 
um, the movie industry with an actor who lives in L.A. Um, we did a lot of really cool things on this episode that I didn't think Big Brain Hour was going to be able to do this early in its existence. And uh, Caleb, I want to thank you for coming on. You've been an excellent guest. <laughs> course, you gave yeah, us a lot course. of really cool yeah, insights. You. You've been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, for sure. Steve, any uh, final thoughts to wrap it all together? Um, I forget who said it earlier. Maybe it was you, Lincoln. You said uh, something along yep. the lines of following your dreams. And I think that's the, that's the takeaway um, from this episode. I've certainly been inspired by Caleb's story and his insight. It sounds like he's, he's making steps in the right direction, following his dream. And he's, uh, and, and we see the same thing with, with Joe yeah. exotic. I know we talked about him a lot. He was, uh, he was a dreamer and he went for it. So I would encourage the listeners to, uh, follow your dreams and you're never too young. Most never importantly, too old, hashtag uh, free Joe exotic. Free Joe exotic and coronavirus. <laughs> Save AMC. A whole lot. Save yeah. AMC. Steve wants to send us off. All right. Yeah. Well, Caleb, thanks again for being on the show. For really sure, appreciate sure. it. Uh, as always, guys, make sure to be washing your hands. Uh, wear a mask if you go outside if you can. Uh, stay safe.